But if you're abiding in him, he's going to take care of you. He's going to lift you up. He's going to cleanse you. He's going to wash you and cleanse you. And that's his desire, isn't it? He wants to give you every opportunity to live. And so don't be surprised when God has to prune something, something or someone out of your life because maybe it's poisoning you. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. This word prune is the same word translated cleanse in other places. The same word could apply to either pruning or cleansing in ancient Greek. The vine dresser cleans up the fruit-bearing vine so it will bear more fruit. The work of pruning, of cleansing, had already begun in the eleven disciples Jesus spoke to. They had heard and received much of his teaching and were in some sense already clean because of the word. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and asked him to forgive you of your sin, you are born again, and that work has already started in you. Now here's Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. Greek put in a word that may not mean a whole lot to you, but looking at the original sometimes, and this is a good case in point, it changes the whole tenor of the whole passage. Because at first reading, you might think that God is angry. If you're not going to pull your weight and shaping up, I'm going to pull you out. I'm going to take you out. I mean, is that really who God is? And yet, this verse has been used to beat so many people over the years, to manipulate them, to make them feel bad about themselves. Hey, I feel bad about myself enough. I don't need the scripture to beat me up. But you know what? They use that. But when it says takes away here, um, it, it means something completely different. You know, God is loving and he's just, and he is a God who hates sin. Don't get me wrong. And we, we, are, we know that very to be true. But as a born-again believer, you are treated as the bride of Christ. After you become a believer, you are the bride of Christ. And can you imagine any husband treating his bride harshly? Dragging her through the mud, saying she's got to prove, you know, you've got to go through a lot more things before, you know, we can continue on. You've got a lot more work to do. It is true, we've got a lot more work to do, but he, he, he does it in us, and he did it first. The Spirit of God is in you, you're born again, and you're on your way. And now it's just sanctification. It just takes time for these things to happen. But notice... The Greek word translated takes away here in verse 2 means something different. It's a Greek word arrow, and it literally means to lift up. Write that in your Bibles right now if you haven't already, because somebody's going to say, well, if you're not bearing fruit, man, God's going to pull you up. Is that true? There is a truth 
It's only true with an asterisk, okay? Because it, that word actually means arrow, which means to lift up. The idea is to raise it up or to elevate it upward. And we're going to see what that, what that means. Because when we think of a vine dresser, a vine dresser is a tedious and tiring work, often requiring at least four different steps before they um, have a successful vintage. There are at least four steps. The first one is desuckering, and this is literally removing any non-fruitful shoots so that the vine is encouraged and it takes all of its energy on the fruit-bearing shoots. So desuckering and pulling off those things is something that's necessary to do. And there's also the lifting. As the shoots begin to grow on a, on a grapevine, they must be raised from the ground as they start to get heavier. And they're going to sag to the ground, and they need to be lifted up. And, um, and attached to even wires or affixed to some kind of wood above, uh, above the main support of the vine. And it needs to be trellised because as these separate shoots start to go, they need to be separated and they need to be uh, stapled to the wires and that prevents them from crowding one another. And it also allows the light and the sunshine and the air to get in between and give it life because without that, the vine is going to grow or it's, it's going to die. And that's what a vine dresser does. And also pinching back or pruning. And we're going to look at that next. That prevents the vine from producing foliage at the expense of the fruit. It's all about energy, isn't it? The vine is producing, is is sending nutrients to those things. But if those things are dirty, if those things are in the mud, they need to be lifted up so the air and the sunlight and the water and the air can dry it out and it can become healthy. It can receive the vitamin D from the sun. And that's, that's what God does to the vine. And that's what he does to us as well. He does the same to us. In fact, if you go to Israel with us at some point, or maybe you've been to Israel, as we're driving all over, especially the north of the Sea of Galilee, there's vineyards on either side of the road. And I remember we were driving one time, and I saw a vineyard, and there were these boulders, you know, about that big around, and, and, and the, the vine dressers would put the, the boulder underneath these vines because the vines were heavy, and they were laden with grapes. And without that boulder in the way, the vine itself would lay in the, in the mud, and it would get rotten in the water. And you know what happens when you have water, and, uh, and it's just laying there? It starts to decay, and it's not good for the vine. So what does the vine dresser do? He takes... Something, and he props it up. He lifts that vine up so that it has every opportunity to live. Because without it, that vine's going to die. It's going to rot right right there in the field, and it's not going to produce grapes. And so he props it up. He elevates it. He lifts it up. And see, that's what God wants to do with us. He's he's not interested in just coming in and going, oh, it's not doing good. I'm just going to pull it out of the ground. You know, that's what people think of God. They think of his character as like, yeah, if you're not, cut, you're not holding your weight, I'm just going to pull you up and throw you in the fire. That is not the character of God. He's first going to lift it up. He's going to be gentle. He's going to try it and give it every opportunity to grow and to bud. Every opportunity. See, that's the difference of the love of God and the love of man. Man will just say, well, you're not giving me what I want. You're out of here. God says, well, you're not giving me what I designed you for, but I'm going to... Do everything I can to give you every opportunity to grow. See, that's the love of God. That's a love. That's other-centered love. That is true love, and I love that. Don't you love that? And notice in verse 2, it says, 
that every branch of me that, he, that does not bear fruit, he literally lifts up or elevates, because that's what the word means. And um, the word, actually, uh, did I say what the word is? Yeah, it's arrow. That, that's literally what it means. And then notice now it says that, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And that's the idea for those of you who are gardeners. You prune things so that if there's a dead uh, leaf or something like that growing off the vine, you'll, you'll clip that thing that's dead so that the energy of that plant, of that root, of that system, can go to the fruitful plants and not try to go to a dead part of the plant. So you'll definitely cut that off. But it also means to cleanse. It's the Greek word kathero. And uh, it means to cleanse, to clean from filth and impurity. And now when we look at this verse, it changes, doesn't it? When you look at it, it's like, well, he's going to elevate it. He's going to lift it up so that it can dry, so the sun can get it, so that the air can get to it. That's why they use the word Greek word arrow. And now he prunes. He's not just going to prune and clip off the dead spots. He's going to cleanse the plant. If there's any dirt on it, he's going to wipe it off. He's going to take care of the leaves. See if there's any problem. See, now this verse sounds like the loving Heavenly Father we know him to be. And this is the type of tender care that God gives to us. You see, he's not mad and desiring to strike us, which is what some churches, some pastors over the years have used this verse to really bludgeon the church with. Hey, there's enough that we got to worry about, but he's not going to beat his bride. (laughs) He's not going to cut her off. If you're one of his, if you're abiding in him, you're abiding in him. If you're not abiding in him, you've got a whole different problem. But if you're abiding in him, he's going to take care of you. He's going to lift you up. He's going to cleanse you. He's going to wash you and cleanse you. And that's his desire, isn't it? He wants to give you every opportunity to live. And so don't be surprised when God has to prune something, something or someone out of your life because maybe it's poisoning you. And you're, it's stunting your growth. And so have you ever noticed that in your life, that sometimes the Lord removes a person in your life? You may be thinking that this person may be the one for you, and you're, maybe you're a single person and you're dating somebody, and they seem like everything you, you know, this is such a great guy, such a great gal, thinking about marrying them, and all of a sudden the Lord just severs it. He, he does something. He did that in my life at one point. When I didn't want it to happen, he says, Rob, i got a plan for you. And this person cannot be in your life. I got a plan for her, but I got a plan for you, and she's to be no part of it. And I've got to cut her. I've got to cut it out of your life. And he did. He severed it. It was quick and decisive. And it killed me <laughs> at the time as a young person. But I, I, later I got to understand that God knew what he was doing because he gave me a wonderful wife. And uh, he knew exactly what who he had called me to be with. But sometimes God has to prune because he knows that that relationship is going to be poisonous. Sometimes he's got to take something out of your life because it's being an idol to you and you're becoming to idolize it. You're spending more time with it than you are with him. You're relying on it more than you're relying upon God. And he says, you know, I can't have it this way because it's not good for you and it's not good for the other person because that person needs salvation just like you do. But that person is bringing you down, and I've got to remove them from your life. It's called the blessed subtraction. Remember that phrase? Sometimes the Lord does that in individuals' lives, and sometimes he even does it in churches. He removes people. And, and it doesn't mean that they've done something wrong, and it's not for me to know why he does things. This church belongs to him. He does with it what he chooses. 
I have no control <laughs> over what God does. I just hope I'm in his program. And I hope I'm being faithful to him and to the word of God. Because if I'm not, then he's going to remove me too. Not from salvation, but remove my position and what he's called me to do. But sometimes we can develop relationships with people that, are, that become unhealthy. You know, our expectations can be unrealistic of them. We can grow too dependent upon them. We can seek a relationship for selfish and self-motivated reasons. And plus, we can influence each other in negative ways. And that is not love either. And God says, I've got to put an end to it. Got to put an end to this unhealthy thing that's going on. But notice at the end of verse 2, he says, And every branch that bears fruit, notice, underline the word fruit, and then at the very end of that verse, more fruit. <laughs> every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? That it may bear more fruit. Now, with your eyes, look down in verse 5, and you're going to see another phrase at the end of verse 5 where it says, much fruit. Underline that as well. And you can see the progression he wants to bring fruit in your life, and then more fruit, and then much fruit. And that's the way it is with God. It's always adding and, and, and making something more beautiful. Because when your life is given over to Christ and you're abiding in Him, that's exactly what's happening. He's having more, of, more real estate in your life and in your heart, and He can do more with you now than He's ever done before in your heart. And see, that's what He wants to do. Whatever job that you're doing, don't worry about anything. Just do this one thing. Give yourself completely over to Jesus Christ. Abide in Him in every meaning of the word. Give over everything of your heart to Him and say, Lord, I'm here at this shop, in this dentistry, I'm in this place, wherever it is, and Lord, you've got a plan for me here. You want me to be light here. So do with me what you want. Help me to abide with you right where I'm at and not worry about anything else. Trust me, when the time comes, he can lead you on and he will and does. But you just be faithful to him where you're at. You abide in him. And he wants to bear more fruit. Notice in verse 3, he says to his disciples, Now you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Again, this word is katheros. And uh, it means exactly what it is, to be clean, you're pure. And God's desire is to cleanse us from our filthiness. Because guess what? The world is a filthy place. Have you noticed? <laughs> it's a filthy place. I mean, our entertainments, our movies are filthy. Our music is filthy. The magazines and the books that we look at are filthy. Much of the media and the internet is filthy. Some things that your kids are being taught in the public school is filthy. Yes. That is why the word of God is spoken like water. Notice in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. What does Paul exhort the Ephesians and the men of that church? He says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That she might, excuse me, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Notice, <clears throat> excuse me, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that they should be holy, that she should be holy and without blemish. Doesn't that sound like what the vineyard does when he prunes? He's cleansing, he's watering, he's doing all these things. And the word of God is a cleaner for our heart and mind. That's why we need to read it often. That's why in John 17 it says, Sanctify them, God, Jesus spoke to his Father. Sanctify my disciples by your truth. Your word is truth. 
And also in Hebrews chapter 4, the Word of God, what is it? It is quick, living, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from its sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him of whom we must give an account. Yes, the Word of God is like water. It's, it's also a two-edged sword. It's a cleanser, a healer. Read it often and, 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 and let it filter through this filthy mind that we all have. And maybe you don't have a filthy mind, but I, I want to suggest to you that be careful of the things you watch and the things you listen to. Because those things are either being a, a catalyst for you to draw closer to the Lord or they're taking you away from the Lord. And why do you want to listen to something where it's just full of curse words and full of profanity and full of innuendo? All that does is feed your lower nature. What about your new nature? What about the Spirit of God in you who's being grieved by you listening to that junk? Seriously, think about it. All of a sudden, now everything, the things I watch, the things I hear, should be on the table for the Lord to examine. Are you letting him examine those things? Or are you saying, nope, this is, what I'm, this is my thing, God. I've given you the keys to everything else, but I want this one thing. I want to be able to watch my movies, whatever I want, and I want to be able to watch and listen to whatever music I want. You, it's off the table, sorry. And you know what? God is such a gentleman. He'll say, okay. We'll start there. We'll start there. And after a while, you wonder why your life is shriveling up. It's because, you, like the vine, you know, instead of it being lifted up, and God wants to lift you up, he's telling you what to do, and you're ignoring him, you're rebelling. I don't want to do that. I'm going to go this direction. Well, you're going to pay the consequence for that choice because the consequences come with every decision we make, either for good or ill. We have to make a decision. Am I going to follow God and obey the word of God? Or am I going to follow my inner nature and obey it? I'm sick of my old nature. Honestly, it, it, it was crucified and still continues to need to be crucified. Doesn't Paul tell us that? Crucify it daily. Don't give it an inch. You give it an inch and it will take a mile. Trust me. And you know this to be true because most of us are old enough to know and you've experienced it, you have experiential knowledge of what I'm telling you. And so Jesus, finally, in verse 4, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. And underline that word, abide. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This word abide literally means to stay in a given place or a, a given state, to, to continue to dwell, to endure, to stand. It, the sound of it is very... Um, it's very obvious it's very uh, decisive it's a decision of the will a decision of the heart and this greek word meno is the greek word it, it occurs over 34 different verses just in this gospel alone and it's a greek word that the translators translated into english with words like abide or staying or remain or remaining enduring it speaks of dwelling and remaining. And the first time we see this in the Gospel of John, it's in uh, the first chapter, and John says, um, and John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven, and this is uh, John the Baptist, 
I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained. There is the word, abide. He remained on him, and I did not know, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining, there is the word again, on him, this is he who baptizes with the Spirit. We also see it in John in the same chapter, in verse 37. The two disciples heard Jesus speak, and they followed him. And then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said, What do you seek? And they said, Rabbi, which is to say, Teacher, where are you staying? There it is again. Where are you abiding? Where is it that you stay? Where's your place of permanence for now? And he said to them, Come and see. And they came, and they saw where he was staying. There it is again. And remained. There it is again. He remained with him. Remained. The first time we see this verb in the New Testament is in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus told his disciples as he sent them out, Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire in it who is worthy, and stay there, abide there, until you go out. So we are to abide in Jesus. And he's telling us to abide. Abide in me. Abide in me, he says. So let me ask a question. Practically, how can we do this? I don't have an exhaustive answer, but as I was praying and thinking about this, I'll give you some ideas. Practically, abiding in Christ can mean, at the very least, to stay with Him and not to depart. This means continuing to have fellowship with Him, regardless of our location, regardless of our circumstances, and certainly reading and listening to the Word of God regularly, to read it and to listen to it. Right now, we are abiding. I don't know if you know that. You're all abiding. We're all abiding together because what are we doing? We're listening. We're, have, we're hearing the Scripture expounded. We're being encouraged in the Scripture. Right now, we are abiding in Him. Not in Calvary Chapel, not in any person. We're abiding in Christ because we're here, we're reading, we're listening, and also praying. When I'm praying, I'm abiding. And, and again, there's a lot more to this. These are just a few things. And also being obedient. Being obedient to the things that we read and know of Jesus. To be obedient to his words, to his commandments, and also his example. How did he live? How do you know how he lived unless you read? You've got to read what the Bible says. And then I've got to make a decision. Am I going to be like that or am I going to be like my old nasty self? Does anybody like their old nasty self? I don't like my old nasty self. Even on my best days, I know I'm still a rascal. I know that to be true. Even on my best days, when I think I'm really something, and God says, oh, you're really not that, Rob. I love you, but you've got a lot of work. We've got a lot of work to do, but I love you, and I still want to work in you. And also walking in the Spirit and, and, and walking circumspectly. Walking in the Spirit. Asking the God in the morning to fill you. And Lord, you guide me this day. Interruptions and everything. You do what you want. Because sometimes the things that we're interrupted by are God's appointments in disguise. And we often think, well, I've got my list, God. I've got this and this and this to do. And then I've got to be down at town at 2 o'clock for a meeting. And don't you dare interrupt me because this is my plan. And God says, well, you prayed this morning that for me to use you, right? Yeah. Well, what happens if you're on your way to that 2 o'clock meeting and you have a flat tire? Well, that's really going to be upsetting to me because I'm going to lose that account because of the meeting. He's like, don't worry about the other account. I've got a better plan. 
Because somebody's going to drive up next to you and help you with that tire, and you're going to talk to them, and that person's going to receive me on the spot. <laughs> Which is more important? Which is more important? And so sometimes when we are interrupted, it is the Lord interrupting us. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.